Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. We begin with a heartwarming reunion. Annette Poitras, the dog walker rescued after two very chilly and wet nights in the Coquitlam backcountry, had some special visitors today. Romina Dea joins us now from Royal Columbian Hospital. Romina, she has to spend a little longer in hospital, but her spirits were definitely lifted today. Sophie Poitras was really hoping to be released from hospital today, but that's impossible at this point. She still can't walk. She's in a lot of pain, but her mood was absolutely boosted after a very special visit this afternoon. Mommy, you can see Mama. This is the best medicine. Oh, there, now she realized. There she goes. A visit from her dog Chloe and Roxy, two of the dogs who helped keep Annette Poitras alive. There you go. There she is. The 56-year-old still in hospital recovering from an injury to her ribs. She still can't walk. No broken bone, no. So we'll, we'll see what the scan brings up. I've got my fingers crossed, but I, I see progress, so that's all good. Poitras, a dog walker, was walking three dogs at the top of Westwood Plateau Monday when she slipped and fell. She spent two nights on the mountain in the pouring rain. We'll just stagger. As many as a hundred search and rescue members look for her in treacherous conditions. Her phone lost, her body unable to move. Poitras could see the helicopters, but they couldn't see her. By Wednesday, hope was fading. She thought it, was, it should be getting dark soon, and this is before she was found at, I don't know, around 11 o'clock. She thought it, lost sense of time, thought it was going to be getting dark yet. That's when she really started panicking and thinking, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to make it another night. Poitras and all three dogs were rescued Wednesday afternoon. Her husband says she was in awe when she saw the footage. She's deathly afraid of heights. So before she went up, they, they covered her face, they made sure she was you know, tightly wrapped and couldn't see a thing. So she didn't see what was going on. So when she just saw how far she was from the camera, her eyes went wide and she was like, oh, wow. Like, that's scary. Chloe, you go see mommy. Poitras grateful to every single person who volunteered to find her, helping reunite her with her family. <laughs> there you go. So, Sophie, this story continues to capture headlines across the globe. The family was telling me that prayers are coming in from as far away as Iran and the UK. They're just overwhelmed by all of the support and want to thank everyone. At this point, Poitras is just looking forward to going home, which will hopefully be Sunday or Monday. Back to you. Here's hoping. Ramina, thanks for that. Meantime, there is some sad news from the Vancouver Aquarium today. Chester, the false killer whale, died this morning. Chester was rescued back in 2014, found stranded on a beach near Tofino. Jennifer Palma looks back at his remarkable survival and the unexpected turn he took earlier this week. He was a special and unusual resident at the Vancouver Aquarium. Chester, the false killer whale. Over four million people saw him. Unfortunately, the aquarium made the sad announcement that the three-and-a-half-year-old has died. He was given essentially a second chance at life, but at the same time, he contributed to educating people. Chester was a false killer whale, which is actually a species of tropical or subtropical dolphin, often seen around Hawaii. He was found on North Chesterman Beach near Tofino in July of 2014, just over a month old, and he was in distress. The aquarium was called in to help. 
Chester got better but was deemed non-releasable into the wild by Fisheries and Oceans Canada. People were able to learn about his ability to do echolocation, uh, lung functions, um, vocalizations. Uh, more than 40 deaths at the aquarium over the years of, cet of cetaceans, including uh, two last year and another one earlier this year. Chester's death is refocusing the spotlight on a contentious issue as to whether the aquarium needs to have cetaceans. Earlier this year, the Vancouver Park Board voted to ban them from the site. The aquarium is heading to court. The aquarium really needs to reconsider its lawsuit trying to uh, overturn the ban that the uh, park board has put in place. But increasingly we're going to be seeing more and more of these species from southern waters moving to British Columbia. Um, they are now part of our ecosystem and I think it's, it's a response that all of us have to help care for the animals that are here. The aquarium says Chester's health had been compromised since his rescue. He began showing signs of not feeling well Wednesday. The cause of his death is unknown. A necropsy has been ordered. Jennifer Palma, Global News. Now to the latest on Highway 1 between Chilliwack and Hope. Traffic is flowing again, albeit slowly, after mudslides forced a total closure early yesterday morning. Our John Hua is live near Bridal Falls for us tonight. John, drivers will of course want to know how close we are to a full reopening. Well, Sophie, what we have here is the tail of two sections of Highway 1. You can see the westbound section over here. You've got counterflow traffic one direction in each lane. That opened just before 1.30 this afternoon. Let's move over to the eastbound section, which remains completely closed. They were really hoping for Saturday, but just because of the sheer amount of debris and, of course, the intermittent weather, that's now the best bet is being pushed to Sunday. Seven Olympic swimming pools worth of mud and debris. Mix in more rain and it's a cleanup job that's both slow and arduous. It definitely takes a lot of coordination and assigning resources to different sites and prioritizing that, which is exactly what we're doing. Mudslides hitting three sections of Highway 1 at around midnight Thursday morning. No one was injured, but traffic shut down in both directions between Bridal Falls and Hope. Trying to get back home and uh, yeah. Don't know what's up with this highway. Typical commutes, 25 minutes, and when it goes down like this and the Highway 7 gets backed up, it's hours. Some drivers detour towards seismic work already being done on the Agassiz-Rosedale Bridge. The single lane of traffic slowing things down even more. It took an hour and a half in the traffic. It was just bumper to bumper. Still crews working around the clock to relieve the pressure. And just before 1.30 Friday afternoon, the westbound section of the highway was reopened with one lane in each direction. Well, it's cleared up? Yeah. Oh, sweet. I'm actually Good. pretty thrilled. The slide is coming down. This section of highway no stranger to multiple mudslides. One nearly catching a global news crew back in 2002. It's coming, it's coming down. It's sweeping out the car. With full attention being paid on the eastbound lanes, water is a key concern. Cutoff creeks need to be reconnected to prevent further soaking of already soggy ground. A big priority right now is having that water flow through its appropriate uh, channel uh, through our culvert uh, and ensuring that it's flowing uh, uh, naturally through there. With water coming from both the ground and the sky, crews will keep slogging away, hoping to have this section completely opened by Sunday. All right, John, with more rain on the way, what are the experts doing to monitor the risk of more slides there? 
Yeah, the first thing the Ministry of Transportation said is they brought in geotechnical staff that surveyed the entire area, even went up in helicopters to first deem it safe for the workers to come in. But like you said, with this intermittent rain, they will be continuing to monitor the entire area. They say one good indicator is actually looking at the water in the creek. If that becomes darker, that might mean that debris is sweeping into the creeks, which means conditions might become unsafe. Sophie? All right. Thanks for that, John Hua, reporting for us tonight. So let's talk about the risk of rain. Meteorologist Christy Gordon has more on how much the area could see over the next few days. Christy. Sophie, I'm not too concerned about the next 24 hours. We will see rain, but it won't be an amount to be concerned about. Instead, I'm concerned about this system here. It's going to bring in about 50 millimeters of rain to that region by late Sunday. And in addition, it's moving in from the south. So that means that freezing levels are really going to climb to about 2,500 meters late Saturday through Sunday. And it's the added runoff from the melt in the snowpack that can really cause problems. So we will be tracking this closely for the latter part of the weekend. We will for sure. All right. Thanks for that, Christy. We'll talk to you in a bit. What do you call this? Road rage or cyclist entitlement? A cyclist blows an intersection too close to pedestrians for this driver and the confrontation ensues. Are you serious, bud? You almost just ran over a pedestrian, you moron. Scenes like this have become an irritating side effect of Vancouver's growing bike culture. I'd like to have a taser. <laughs> they don't listen. They, they basically make up the rules of the road for themselves. There's a lot of drivers that don't respect cyclists. But if you've ever wandered onto a cycling path, you know, some cyclists can be pretty militant. And some of them can ride way too fast. Watch out. With more riders in dedicated bike lanes than ever, Vancouver's cycling community is a success, but clearly one with some growing pains. Compared to other bike cultures like China and Europe, ours seems just too prone to ugly moments like this. I think we're in transition and people are just still trying to figure things out. Ulrika Rodriguez is a Vancouver cyclist and blogger. As an experienced cyclist, I'm noticing people are going way too fast on bicycles. And they're not slowing down for pedestrians or construction zones. Vancouver police today reminded us that cyclists have the same responsibilities as any driver. Red lights, stop signs and pedestrian crossings all apply to them. Something worth remembering, as well as the main reason for cycling in the first place. Bottom line is cycling is fun. Paul Johnson, Global News. A case of alleged animal abuse on Vancouver Island has police warning against vigilante justice. Three people have been charged, including a man and two teenagers, after they allegedly abused and drugged a family's cat and sent videos of the abuse to the owners as it was happening. Police say concerns raised by the community have now escalated and they will not tolerate any retaliatory actions. Reports of threats and other potential criminal behavior will be fully investigated. Vancouverites are being recruited to put up trail cameras in their yards to monitor urban coyotes. Linda Ellsworth explains who's behind the project and what researchers are hoping to figure out. Even in cities, wildlife abounds. One of the most resourceful examples, the coyote. In Vancouver, there's between two and 300 of them. And the fact that we don't see them every day is a testament just how smart they are and how well they've learned to avoid us. 
but their efforts to avoid us don't always succeed. And so the Stanley Park Ecology Society and UBC have teamed up to better understand urban coyotes and how conflicts might be avoided. We're interested in using trail cameras in people's yards to monitor how they come and go. The researchers are hoping that Vancouverites who regularly see coyotes on their properties will allow them to set up the cameras. And we currently have it set up so that once every second it'll snap an image of a squirrel, a raccoon or coyote walking by. The information they gather will be used to determine if there are ways to humanely keep coyotes away from places where they're not welcomed. Things like motion sensing sounds and motion sensing light triggers. Uh, we're looking in the long term to explore some of these and see if they actually would work in Vancouver. The goal isn't to eliminate coyotes, not at all. They play an important role in the health of cities. They do perform a great many ecosystem services for us. Uh, they do clean up rats squirrels and mice. Uh, between 40 and 60 percent of their diet is those small rodents. The rest of their diet is made up of fruits, seeds, compost, and when available, garbage. Which brings us to the best way to reduce habituation, most often the cause of conflicts between them and us. Removing those attractants, keeping your food sources and shelter away so they don't have a reason to come in your yard. If you'd like to learn more about coexisting with coyotes or get involved in the study, you can find a link on our website. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Right now, though, a unique development proposal for Vancouver's Mount Pleasant neighborhood could achieve two goals. Preserve a heritage house and create an instant landmark. As Jill Bennett reports, the design gets its inspiration from an iconic Seattle home and a certain Pixar movie. It all depends on how you look at it. I think it would probably look ridiculous. It looks like it's going to fall down. <laughs> so you may as well build a glass house around it. And that's exactly what developers are planning to do. It's a unique way to preserve the Coulter House. Built in 1901, it got heritage designation last year. Our goal is to, is to keep as much of the original home as we can and then restore those, those pieces. The home will be moved off the property and taken apart piece by piece. It will then be put back together and incorporated in the new modern building planned for the site on West 6th Avenue between Manitoba and Ontario. Whether we restore it off-site or restore it on-site, we still have to determine, but it gets delivered back to the, to the development property when the new building is finished and uh, literally bolted to the facade of the building. Ah, it's not exactly the same as the little house featured in the Disney movie Up, but there may have been some inspiration. Well, I know that, that movie because my daughter's 11 and I watched it about 50 times, so <laughs> um, I see the resemblance. The real home on which the movie is based is this one, located just outside Seattle. As for Vancouver, there are other examples of new buildings working with existing structures. On Oak Street, this tower emerges from the Santa Fe Apartments, built in 1928. I do think, though, that what you're going to see in the future in the city of Vancouver is more of these kinds of projects. I mean, I guess if, that, if, if it's going to be a glass building without the Heritage House or a glass building that somehow incorporates it, I guess keep the history. Modern with old, I think it's kind of a cool concept. If the project gets approved by the Heritage Commission, Conwest hopes to start taking things apart and building them up by next fall. Jill Bennett, Global News. Tis the season for top 10 lists, but no one really wants to be on McLean's magazine's new top 229 list. The magazine has ranked Canada's most dangerous cities, putting three B.C. communities in the top 10 and six more in the top 20. 
The report ranks communities according to Statistic Canada's Crime Severity Index, which measures all police-reported crime, including the number of crimes and the seriousness of the offences. It ranks Williams Lake as Canada's fourth most, most dangerous city, trailing only North Battleford and Prince Albert, Saskatchewan and Thompson, Manitoba. Langley City is ra- ranked sixth and Vernon is in ninth spot. In the top 20, Prince George is number 11, and Terrace, Penticton, Dawson Creek, Chilliwack, and Port Alberni are in spots 15 through 19. The annual legislature Christmas tree arrived this morning in Victoria, taking its place in the rotunda. The 12-meter Douglas fir is the 47th tree donated by local farmer Michael Fleming. He has been grooming this one for 20 years. The public is invited to a special outdoor tree lighting ceremony on Tuesday night. Well, there are bargains to be had out there, but it appears that online shopping is also taking the edge off the Black Friday frenzy in B.C. It wasn't really a frantic scramble this morning as the Best Buy Metro Town opened its doors, although some had been in line since about 3 a.m. And while there was at least one retail fender bender, no sign of the near riots that seemed to happen south of the border. I was here last year. There was um, more than four or five times compared to this year, so it's quite a bit less this year. Seems a bit underwhelming. Yeah. I wish I came a little bit later. But I think that Black Friday is still growing in Canada. People are maybe not as uh, eager as in the States to line up at the crack of dawn, but uh, we see a lot of traffic coming through the stores and a lot of eager customers wanting to save money. There was a big line at the Uniqlo store, but it is brand new, and some of the shoppers we talked to there weren't even worried about saving money. Well, holiday parties and galas are also kicking in a full swing, including the BC Children's Hospital Foundation Crystal Ball. Chris Gatliss, as you've probably noticed, is not here tonight. That's because he is there in his best bow tie and tuxedo. He's at the Four Seasons emceeing the extravaganza. <laughs> Chris, you look very handsome, first of all, but talk about the focus, because this year they're looking at a couple of areas that haven't always been top of mind for kids' health. That's true, and thank you very much, uh, Soph. Yes, and that's a great way to put it, too, because it's really mental health that's the focus of the event tonight, and the money raised here will go to make sure the children get their mental health taken care of, which is something that hasn't always been, as you mentioned, top of mind. I'm joined now by Terry Nicholas, the president and CEO of the BC Children's Hospital Foundation. This is always such an elegant night and a wonderful night on the calendar and an important one for the hospital, right? Absolutely. So this is 31 years, crystal ball. People have been coming together and funding very important things for the hospital. But we know that mental health is an important issue for our community and our province. And we know that if we can give kids the tools and the support they need at an early age, it can really have a lifelong change for them. This is an amazing year as well because just a month ago you got your first patients into the new Tech Acute Care Center. The hospital's been rebuilt. How's it going? It's pretty fabulous to have this state-of-the-art hospital. We really feel like we're built to heal and uh, it's just wonderful for children and families to have such a fabulous, fabulous place to come. All right. Well, we thank you very much for your time and all you put into it. And good luck tonight. Terry Nicholas, President and CEO of BC Children's Hospital Foundation. We're off to a great start here tonight. Back to you. Thanks, Soph. Thank you, Chris, and good luck tonight. 
Another sign of the tension level in London these days as reports of gunfire sparked panic in the heart of the city. Frantic Londoners scrambled away from the Oxford Circus subway station after reports of shots fired. Heavily armed police rushed to the station after about an hour. Police had found no suspects, no evidence of shots fired or any casualties, and the station was reopened. Sadly, no false alarm in Egypt as a devastating terror attack on a mosque in the Sinai Peninsula killed at least 235 people and injured more than 100. Worshippers were praying when militants believed to be connected to the so-called Islamic State detonated a powerful bomb. Gunmen in four off-road vehicles outside the mosque gunned people down as they ran and even fired on the first ambulances to arrive. The Egyptian military has conducted airstrikes in response to the attack. Another A-list actress is going on the record talking about the sexual assault scandal rocking Hollywood. Uma Thurman, who has starred in several Harvey Weinstein productions, has broken her silence about the producer. So I've been waiting to feel less angry. And when I'm ready, I'll say what I have to say. Well, that's what Thurman told Access Hollywood last month, and now she's apparently decided to go on the record. In an Instagram post, she says, Happy Thanksgiving, everyone, except you, Harvey, and all your wicked conspirators. I'm glad it's going slowly. You don't deserve a bullet. And she hints at more to come, ending the message with stay tuned. A moose on the loose in Markham, Ontario. The full-grown animal causing quite the commotion today, even ending up on an airport runway at one point. Police and conservation officers tried to catch it, but it eventually ended up in a wooded area, and they're leaving it alone for now. In Health Matters, one of BC's Courage to Come Back award winners is getting to work tonight to help others. Michael Koss went from being in a coma after a near-fatal accident to learning how to walk again. As Aaron MacArthur reports, he's hoping to give other patients the break he got. Michael Koss, still working hard to get his mobility back. He suffered a traumatic brain injury 12 years ago after a car accident on the Coquihalla Highway. The Courage to Come Back Award recipient was in a coma for six months and then spent seven years confined to a power chair. Now he walks without much support at all. Walking step by step, inch by inch, and now that allows me to walk today with a cane. Koss learned to walk again using the local mat. It's a treadmill with a harness and robotic attachment for patients' legs. Without it, Michael would have needed four physiotherapists to hold him upright. It would have been nearly impossible to get him to where he is now. I would say that that machine is what enabled me to learn how to walk again today. has given me a sense of confidence. There are only two local mats in B.C. The one in Vancouver gets used eight hours a day, six days a week. And both machines were funded by private donors. Neuromotion, the physiotherapy clinic that operates the local mats, wants a third one in Surrey that will help meet a growing demand, including for children. But at 500 grand a pop, it would just be unaffordable for patients. They're looking for the public's help. If, if it was funded on its own, it would cost $500 a session. Um, that's not what we want because then it becomes prohibitive. Michael Koss has spent the last 12 years with one goal in mind to hold his kids' hands as they walk to the park. 
He's so close to that dream, and he wants other patients to have the same opportunities he did. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. And you can find more information about Michael and his campaign on our website, globalnews.ca slash bc. All right, meteorologist Christy Gordon joining us now with a look at our forecast and a very festive scene behind you, Christy. That's right. Vancouver Christmas Market opened this week, Sophie, and you can see it behind me with the carousel there. It's down at Jackpool Plaza, and it's open from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. at night. Check it out. I'm sure it'll be a good time, although it's a little wet out there right now, but a lot of people. Before I move on, participation is helping Canada celebrate 150 years by presenting 150 ways to stay fit. And today's suggestion for you is dodgeball. You remember that? I sure do. I was no good at it. Yeah, I know. A lot of bruises from it. No, I don't know if anyone's really good at dodgeball, but it sure is a ton of fun. Okay, so here's what we have on deck. We've got this cold front here that is basically stalled right there. Now, we are going to see gusty conditions with it, certainly across northern Vancouver Island. We're seeing that. But that's why we have the wet weather across our region. The real weather maker, though, is this system here, and that is set to push in late tomorrow. So through your Saturday, we'll catch a little bit of a break, so mainly cloudy sky. Just a chance of showers for the early part of Saturday. But by late afternoon, evening hours, this system will roll in. It will bring in wind, it will bring in rain, and it will bring in mild conditions. Not as mild as that Pineapple Express that we saw this week on Wednesday. We're not talking about 16 degrees, but... We could be warming up to about 12 degrees, and that snow level is going to climb to 2,500 meters. Meanwhile, this is your forecast for tomorrow. So this is ahead of that system. Periods of rain for the north coast. Temperatures are cooling in areas like Terrace and Smithers. So we are expecting snow in your region, maybe a couple of centimeters. And for the interior regions, mainly dry, but mainly cloudy. Same for the Kelowna region. Just a very slight chance of an isolated shower. Showers are flurries in through the Columbia region, up towards Vailmont as well, and the south coast region, a chance of showers throughout your Saturday. And again, that will build to be periods of rain towards the latter part of the day. It's going to be very wet overnight Saturday through a good part of our Sunday. We'll also see windy conditions with it. And as I mentioned, mild, 12 degrees as our high. Monday is the bright spot. We're hoping for breaks of sunshine, but keep in mind it's still a couple of days off. So we'll be tracking that closely. Elma and Harold Pillar celebrating 74 years together. Congratulations to you. And these little guys captured by Kayla. And this is a shot from north. She said she took it four hours north of Prince George. So it's wow. pretty much close to where Santa lives. <laughs> These guys. These are caribou. Oh, wow. Okay. Probably helping out uh, Rudolph and friends there. That's right. Thank you very much, Christy. A Fredericton mother is fielding calls from around the world today after video of her photobombing toddler went viral. Carly Gray was trying to get video of herself doing yoga to check on her form. But two-year-old Jude had other ideas. He repeatedly photobombed her video and hammed it up for the camera, even stopping at one point for his own pose. Grace says she heard Jude scurrying around but didn't realize what he was up to until she watched the video. She shared it with her Facebook group, and since then she's heard from media from as far away as the UK. What are you doing? And three bears rummaging through trash cans outside a shopping mall are becoming a social media sensation after a California deputy caught them on video. Deputy Don Nevins was patrolling the Lighthouse Shopping Center in Tahoe City when he came across a mother bear and two cubs looking for food. He eventually chased the three into the bush. They were going to line up for a Black Friday That's right. special. That's exactly. right. Exactly. Looking for the best buy. Yeah, they're looking for good deals too.
You know who left the ice tonight early? Brandon Sutter. Ouch. Ouch. Oh, no. Does that mean we won't get to do that for a while? I don't know. He left, but doesn't mean he's done. Okay. He could come back. The audience loves it when we Maybe I know. Maybe tune in for that. (laughs) The vengeance of Corey Schneider knows no end. When the Canucks face their old goalie, he likes to punish them for that draft day trade that saw Vancouver end up with the draft pick that became Bo Horvat. As we have said before, when you send someone against their will from beautiful British Columbia to the state of New Jersey, you have made an enemy for life. Hockey fights cancer and Brian Boyle in the face-off circle. Brian Boyle fighting a form of leukemia, but he is out there playing for the New Jersey Devils. Corey Snyder, as we mentioned. Chance. Chris Tannen was in the lineup tonight. He's back from an injury. So was Troy Stetcher. Schneider stops him. And then Schneider says, give me your best. Who's this kid I keep hearing about? So Brock Besser comes down the right side, and Schneider stops him too. Keeping things scoreless until the second period. Taylor Hall, number nine. Keep an eye on him because he's going to open the scoring. one nothing for the Devils. Canucks so tie it. Daniel Sedin throws it in front. This actually goes in off a devil. Blake Coleman, who's covering his brother Henrik. So goal for Daniel. Goal for the Canucks. It's 1-1. We mentioned Brian Boyle battling leukemia. Got a big ovation before the game. Great move by Will Butcher, the rookie defenseman. Gives it to Boyle. He scores. Crowd was chanting his name after that. That made it two to one. Then the Canucks give this up. And the Devils trying to take Taylor Hall with the breakaway. Hits the post, but Damon Severson is there to get the garbage. And it's 3-1 now for the Devils. And he's shaking his head. He's unhappy. He's Besser. not happy about that. Brock Besser meet Taylor Hall. Puts on the brakes. Hall takes him down. And then John Moore, and this is the hit right here that Sutter did not return from. So I'm not yeah, sure what's Severson up there. Somewhere else. The way he was hit looked like could John be a lower Moore, body injury. Who knows? Anyway, he left up. the game. Canucks got a bit of a break. There should have been a high sticking, sticking call goes on uh, Del Zotto. It wasn't picked up by the referees, and Vancouver gets a power play and scores Bo Horvat, but they couldn't get the final goal to tie it. This is the last shot from Edler. It's a way far away, and that's easy for Schneider. Devils win. Canucks are now 2-1 and one on the road trip. Well, the Jets had that horrible start to the season. Two bad losses. Everybody was wondering what was going on with the Winnipeg Jets. And ever since then, they've been great. Nick Ehlers. That made it 2-0. That was his second of the game. Power play. Brian Little gets this one. Winnipeg wins again. They are 14-3-3 in their last 20 games as they win one in Anaheim. Afternoon game because of the Thanksgiving Day weekend. Okay, so... When the Vancouver Giants picked Tyler Benson first overall in the 2013 Bantam Draft, they believed he was the kid who would make them a cup contender again. And he might have been that, except he had very bad luck with injuries and it kept all the Giants' hopes from actually happening. But as we've seen in recent weeks, when Tyler Benson is healthy, the Giants are a much better team. Iram going to bring it right wow. back. He kept it on side. Then a penalty behind the play. Benson made a move. Score! 
This is the kind of dynamic play Giants fans thought they'd be seeing from Tyler Benson for the last three years. But Benson's well-documented injury woes have limited him to just 74 games over the last two and a half seasons. He returned to the Giants a month ago after rehabbing his troublesome sports hernia. And so far, so good. It's been nice to be able to play play uh, pretty much pain-free now. Um, still some kinks that uh, we're still working on, but uh, that's expected. I've been, I've been feeling pretty good lately. Benson was the first overall pick in the Western League Bantam draft in 2013 and was expected to be a dominant player with the potential to be a high first-round NHL draft pick. The injuries have changed his game plan dramatically. He did get chosen in the second round by the Oilers, but that climb to the pros will take much longer, despite the fact he's starting to find his form now. I've been pretty happy with my game. I think each game I get stronger. Um, my skills are starting to come back a little better. My vision on the ice, uh, shooting the puck more. Um, I think those things are, are coming more naturally now. Um, don't have to think about it as much. And conditioning gets better every game, and uh, that's, that's good. Sports hernia injuries are tricky. Benson has to do constant maintenance and stretching to make sure that core area stays strong. It's affected his skating, an area that has to get better for Benson to take that next step in hockey. For him, he's going to have to really you know, commit to that part of it because the, the rest of the tools are, are there, but um, the skating part is an area that he'll have to, to work at. And, and that's, you know, being off for 10 months is a long time, so um, I think that'll naturally start to come back for him. But the first month back has been encouraging, so much so there's a good chance Benson will get a shot at Canada's World Junior Team next month. After all he's been through, the kid is due for some good luck for a change. I'm happy where I'm, with, I'm at now, and uh, just uh, it's good to get all this stuff out of the way now, and hopefully I can just have a clear path the rest of the way. Very delayed global sports. There you go. All right, thank you very much, Squire. Let's check in with Jay Durant now for a look ahead to Global News at 11. Sophie, when you think of Canada's most dangerous communities to live in, you'd likely pick some of the bigger cities, but that's not the case necessarily. A recent report puts smaller B.C. cities like Williams Lake, Langley and Vernon in the top ten. The ranking is based on what's called the Crime Severity Index, a measure used by Stats Canada of all police-reported crime. We'll look at all the B.C. communities that made the list and have more on the rankings tonight at 11. On the mountains, Whistler Blackcomb, a base of about 110 centimeters, the same at Grouse, Cypress close to 130 centimeters, and Sasquatch will be opening soon. In Revelstoke and Manning Park, both mountains opening December 2nd, Mount Washington opens December 8th, and Powder King has a base of 145 centimeters. In the interior, Big White, Silver Star, and Sun Peaks, uh, all reporting 70 to 90 centimeter base, Apex opens December 2nd. All right, Friday, satellite debris. So somebody told me once that Japan is not a very litigious country. People Mm -hmm. don't sue each other a lot, which explains why they have these crazy game shows (laughs) where people are almost getting killed. Uh, Here's one where they put some sort of lubricant on a set of stairs and people try to get up to the top of the stairs to grab this little, it looks like an envelope. Anyway, here we go. And this went on for a while. I didn't have time to show you the whole thing, so I'll edit it. Here we go. So the, uh, the stairs are, I mean, incredibly slippery, which is why people are going up them very carefully. Okay, they look like Teletubbies, but I know, not the tubby do. part. He's down, and so is everybody else. Whoa. That's the thing. If the lead guy goes down, you're going down too. Two guys almost near the top. There's the envelope we need to get. They realize, wait a minute. What? 
It's it's self-sacrifice. If you're going, I'm going. It's like crabs you go, in a bucket. I go. <laughs> and this is actually Ow. a difficult thing to do. Think of all the bruises and bumps you're getting. You guy look like Jimmy Fallon. Uh, anyway, here we go again. Two guys near the top, almost there. Just reach up and get it. Nope, gives him a yank, and down they all go. Does anyone ever win this thing? Eventually. <laughs> After several hours, somebody finally gets to the top. This this gentleman. And see that the lubricant's still pouring out of those giant taps. Nope, oh, he can't get a grip. Down he goes. Finally, Ew. finally, this guy in the green outfit gets to the top very carefully. And eventually, there. And what does it's he the, win? I don't know. Whatever's in the envelope. He wins an envelope. It's, I think it's a gift certificate. It's the greatest moment of his life. <laughs> All right. Uh, we mentioned how Christmas commercials are big in Europe, much like Super Bowl commercials are over here. This one is from a grocery store in Switzerland. Just a little machine. There's actually little people yeah, in there with things in their hats. That. And they, they like to get I together know. at Christmas time. Okay, uh, last one here. Uh, what is this one? What is this one? Oh, this is a from Harvey Nichols over in England. Here we go. <laughs> now, I think you're going to like that. Mum, this is for you. Lucy, darling, this is for you. Oh, I love it. 80% cotton, so they won't go stiff. And there's a hand towel in there. And you should like them. You said you wanted to read more. Do you like it? Oh. I knew you would. Don't worry about the paper. Oh, Mom, it's even better than last year. Oh. Give it a whirl. I knew you'd love it. 